0: She's April. And she's Molly. And we are the book besties. Marriage is a young man's disaster and an old man's comfort.
1: I feel like I am not smart enough for this book.
0: My ovaries
1: make it hard for me to think. Did you know that?
2: It's like shocking twist. They actually don't. I don't know if you knew that. They're, they actually have magical powers.
0: No, you are literally giving me anxiety right now. I can't. Really? In the 1950s, you thought our biggest
1: villain in the future is going to be Bugs?
2: It's the army, too, so he needs to be able to count to at least 30 to, like, count his platoon, right?
1: WTF is with all this math. Another day, another dollar, am I right?
0: We're not making dollars on this, Molly. I
1: mean... It was a metaphor. Anyways, (laughs) season two, episode two, and we're back with our new bestie Isaac.
2: Right after a whole like ten minute break (laughs) between our recording, don't
1: give away, don't give (laughs) away the secrets of the (laughs) song. Isaac,
2: we actually record the whole year on one day. (laughs) (laughs) binge recording.
1: We all read seventy two books, and (laughs) we are just sitting here.
2: Right. coffee good to go
1: (laughs) Isaac before April joined us Isaac was telling me about his current project and I need yeah
2: so actually during our little 10 minute break had to go downstairs because I just built a tide pool in the basement and needed to check on the on the tide pool (laughs) a real life tide pool. it's the coolest thing (laughs) so use like a big stock tank Put rock and sand in there. Filled it with seawater. little pumps to circulate the you know. water. Now we're putting like crabs, shrimp. I found. I actually found a starfish. Now, do you plan that.
0: to eat the crabs and shrimp? Are you just no? Have them no, in there it's for just, pets.
2: just just like pets? just just as pets. Because like no. you know, when you go to the beach <laughs> and you find tide pools, and you can just like stare into the tide it's pool cool. for it's hours, fooding. watching the little yeah. critters like do their little so critter I- things. So So we live in Wyoming, we don't have tide pools, so I built one.
0: (laughs) I feel like something you need to know about me, Isaac, is that I don't swim where things live, and I don't like fish. Uh, I like to eat fish, but last episode I mentioned that my husband built this koi pond without telling me, um, and I am, like, terrified of big fish. Do you know how big koi get? Yes. A tide pool in our basement sounds horrifying to me. Sounds horrifying to me. Well, they grow based (laughs) off their container, right? Or
2: like... Yeah. Koi are actually magical fish. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, we, we got them when they, they were like this big. Powers.
0: They mm-hmm. we got them when they were like this big because they're cheaper when they're smaller, and now they're already like this big, and I can't, <laughs> I can't with it. <laughs> um, on the oh, they'll,
2: they'll get like well, three on, feet long and weigh like forty pounds.
0: No, no, you are literally giving me anxiety right now. I can't. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, so
1: this week we are covering
0: Starship Trippers. Which Isaac is actually leading. Yeah. So it's going to be like a little break from what we normally do because Isaac is going to be now, leading Now, this is our... one of your favorite books, right, Isaac? Yeah.
2: This is one of my favorite books. Despite being sci-fi, I'm still one of my it, um, favorite books.
1: I feel like I, I, I read this book. I looked up stuff about it because I feel like I am not smart enough for this book. And I, I'm saying this now because I feel like there was a bunch of symbolism in there I missed, and like, like, it, I don't know. It just some of it went over my head. I think I don't know. I maybe
2: I, I, I do just feel like, like not you know. to not to make like <laughs> big judgment calls. I do feel like Robert Heinlein is probably more intelligent than Ernest Klein. Just say. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not more intelligent. Maybe just more intellectual. How's that? I mean, well,
1: <laughs> It's a different time. This was so, written in what nineteen? Yeah, the nineteen
2: fifties. Nineteen fifties. Yeah, nineteen fifty nine. Yep, is when it was published. Um, so, do you want me to go ahead and do the synopsis, or do you guys want to talk? Listen to how
0: he over pronounced it. Listen to how he overpronounced it. Uh huh. Uh-huh. We, 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 mm-hmm. we get it. I got you. We get it. I got you. We get it. We get it. Uh
2: huh. So, and right, neither of you fine. had read this before, right?
1: No. 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 Mm-mm. This is not okay. on my TBR. Okay. This was not. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. So part of the deal, we mentioned this in the last episode, part of the deal is you guys got to pick out a book for me, anything that was not Harry Potter. And I would agree to read that no matter how ridiculous it was. <laughs> pick a book that I really did enjoy, Ready Player One. And, and then I got to pick a book that I liked. And especially since you went sci-fi, well, arguably sci-fi. We talked about that in the last episode too. I went definitely sci-fi. Oh, it's reflecting. There we go. I'll hold it up so you can read it. <laughs> definitely sci-fi with Starship Troopers. So I
0: feel like I feel like we made a mistake. We should have made him read like Red, White, and Royal Blue. Or oh, long definitely. <laughs> you know what? We'll do a revisit in <laughs> in, a, in a couple of
1: months and make him read something romance and trash. I, <laughs> I
2: actually. You guys did an episode on that one, right?
0: Yeah, yes. we did. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I actually listened to that one. It sounded interesting, but you did not convince me <laughs> it to has read a it. a
0: lot of spice.
2: <laughs> <laughs> a lot I, of spice. I got you that. <laughs> and not, not like sci fi spice from Dune. Like.
0: No. <laughs> no, but like. No, there are. I the, that book. That book is awful. There's a whole subgenre <laughs> of sci fi that is complete, like. Trashy romance sci fi. Like, oh, it's God, more really sex than that. it is sci fi. <laughs> it's a whole genre. That.
1: There's fantasy of that too, right? And like the trend on. Molly, the there is while.
0: dinosaur romance. That's like, what I'm saying! Like, like what in the world? Like a woman and a dinosaur. Like, anyways. We're not because
2: we're taking over. There are other words for that, but it's not romance.
0: It's like a shift changer. Like it's not like, shape shifting. Yeah. Anyways, this is what do I say? You're not helping your cause. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> <right>, okay, whatever. <laughs> Hit us with the synopsis.
2: Sure. So synopsis. Um... <laughs> right the way the way that you say it sounds all snooty. <laughs>
1: Explain when, this when you're fun mother of, forking book to us. <laughs> <laughs> got it.
2: So, um, if in, in the sci-fi world, um, anybody who's like a hardcore sci-fi fan has probably heard what's actually written, like on the back of the book, which is, I wrote it down. Hang on. Um, so, in one of Robert Heinlein's most controversial bestsellers, *A Recruit of the Future* goes through the toughest boot camp in the universe and into battle with the Terran mobile infantry against mankind's most frightening enemy. Sounds intriguing, right? So I did write up a little more synopsis (laughs) for myself. Molly is laughing. I feel like you're laughing at me, not with me. The
1: most dangerous creatures like they're bugs man they're big bugs though bugs, <laughs> big bugs. I, I have i have a whole <laughs> runner about this but we'll get to it
2: okay okay so in all fairness it didn't say most dangerous it said most frightening and still i don't know about you bugs. but the way that i react to like a spider in my basement you make that thing like larger than human size that's pretty frightening <laughs>
0: <laughs> Says the you don't have building. room
2: oh, in your
1: basement. Um, you have a tide pool. Tide pool
2: <laughs> right? It keeps all the spiders away. <laughs> um, so written in 1959 as a response to the U.S. suspending nuclear testing, uh, this book addresses many social and political issues, including traditional militarism, suffrage, civic virtue, juvenile delinquency, corporal and capital punishment just war theory, and international relations. As far as the storyline goes, Juan Johnny Rico graduates from high school and volunteers for federal service, i.e. joining the military. He ends up in the mobile infantry, goes through training, and deploys on several different troop transport ships with various infantry units to fight the Bugs. The bugs are an intelligent arachnid species, apparently bent on the total destruction of humanity. So, that was my synopsis. That's um, good. So-
1: That's, I like it better than his. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your
2: of confidence.
1: <laughs> it was more clear. <laughs>
0: Oh man!
2: <laughs> so I know, I know long long for episode, for both I'm of you, sorry. this was was your <laughs> your first time reading the book. Um, this is one of the few books that I've read more than once. I've read it quite a few times actually, and I feel like I've gotten something mm-hmm. different from it each time that I've read it. Um, I, mm-hmm. I'm sure okay. that'll come up later in the discussion too. Uh, but first impression. Um, we talked before with ready player one, how I was kind of initially turned off, but I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and read it. I'm not going to stop reading it. And I ended up liking the book. So, so first impression, love it or hate it or somewhere in between, or a little bit of column A, a little bit of column (laughs) Um, B. (laughs) I'll
1: go first. Um, I struggled for the first chapter. I'm not going to lie. I text April and I'm like, Oh my God. First and foremost, the narrator in the audiobook, has an NPR voice, mm. and this is a. And the first chapter is very like action filled, and you're mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. nodding off as he's talking. So mm-hmm. that was rough. Um, but as you go on, there's I got a lot of the lingo because I was part of the service, and even though some of it is more of an old fashioned version of what we say in you know current military. I got the transition. Um, I understand the whole storyline about brotherhood and military service. But honestly, I i mean, I said this before we started recording. I feel like I wasn't smart enough for this book. There, I feel like this author has, like, all these underlining meanings. And there's all these symbolism. The symbolism. And I'm just not getting it. <laughs> and
0: I just. So, I don't know. I so. I gave it two stars out of five, but I don't really give a lot of five stars, so this is not like I mean That's not a, that's it's, not a it's a, a hard thing game. to get five stars from me. But I gave it two Facts. um
1: Okay when
0: I publish I'm gonna get like three stars so from her <laughs> um, i don't even have to read molly's book i'll be like plugging it everywhere like molly gets five stars just read it and then she texts me um, "Bo, you could have done better <laughs> <laughs> you underestimate me um no. so i read I both the physical book and the audiobook um and i agree with uh molly that the narrator for the audiobook was just not he didn't have the expressive, like, adventure-sounding voice that, to this like, carry this kind of book. But I did find myself flagging a few quotes that I was like, dang, mm-hmm. that was really deep in the middle of a sci-fi book, uh, which was It does great. have that, yeah. Yeah, it, it has does have depth. a lot of deeper um, stuff, yes. And like the first one happens pretty early in the book for me uh, in chapter five. There are no dangerous weapons. There are only dangerous men. And I was like, dang. Um, So for me, there was there were a lot of quotes. But this is the reason why I rated it two. It's the opposite of what Molly said. For me. I don't have enough of the background information for the military. So I had to stop a lot and ask my husband who's retired military. He's retired coast guard. Like you two are coast guard. um, And ask him questions. Like, did this happen in boot camp? Are officers really allowed to hit people? Like, is that a thing? Like I I didn't know these things. I assumed that they weren't allowed, but you know, I had to ask because I don't, I don't know these things. Um, So for me, that's why it was on the lower end. But as I read the book, it went from, oh my gosh, I really do not want to read this book to, hey, this isn't so terrible. I actually, in the end, I, I it probably won't be one I reread, but like the quotes that I flagged are ones that I was like, yes, yeah. this made this book for me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it gets a two. But listen, I've read books that I hated completely, so... City of
2: Girls, we're looking at you. So, (laughs) along those same lines, um, that was actually something that I really wanted to ask you because Mm -hmm. you brought up the military thing and some of the military Mm -hmm. jargon and stuff like that. And I know there are a lot of books out there. Some that come to mind would be like Robert Louis Stevenson when he's writing like Treasure Island or Kidnapped, or you know anything happening Mm -hmm. on a ship. He uses all of this nautical jargon that, if you're not familiar with, could be confusing. And right. mm-hmm. some authors use a lot of jargon, but they really make the effort to explain all of it as they as they introduce new terms. Um,
0: right.
2: And part of the difficulty can be if you're if you are familiar with the jargon, you won't know whether or not the author is explaining it sufficiently for somebody who's not. So yeah. I think you, you kind of already answered it a little bit, but that was that was what I wanted to ask you was, did you oh, feel yeah. I mean, lost with the jargon or did he do an okay job explaining it? Because yeah. some of it is like real military jargon and some is like futuristic military jargon that he's right. kind of made up for the story.
0: Right. <laughs> I think this book had the opposite issue that, like Molly in the last episode mentioned that she didn't like the way that Ernest Klein did world building, um, that mm-hmm. he was over explaining things. There were literally parts of this book where the author said, I'm not going to explain what the uniform looks like to you because it's been pictured enough. I'm like, you are writing sci-fi. Nobody knows what this looks like. You need <laughs> to explain this to us. Come on, get your life <laughs> together. Um, right. But there the, was a lot of vagueness and in, right. like insinuating, you know, what's going to happen in right. this made up future world. Right. But um, I, I watch enough mm-hmm. sci-fi movies that like, I feel like I could grasp the sci-fi of it, one of the things I did like was the use of like 50s lingo in the sci-fi world. I thought that was like mm-hmm. really cool. And I mean, yeah. unintentional. <laughs> that's when he was writing it. Right. Um, right. Cause it was written then, I
2: right? Yeah. right, right. kind of retro. But I definitely,
0: right. Exactly. Um, and now it almost is laughable, but uh, but I struggled with the military aspect of it because I just don't know enough because even though I was a military wife, a dependent, I hate that term, but I was military dependent. Um, for, you know, most of my marriage, um, I met my husband after boot camp, after A school, like, so I didn't was know. already in
1: for a while.
0: Yeah. Like he, uh, when we met in 2009, well, he had already been in for, um, you know, eight years-ish, eight or nine mm-hmm. years. So he, mm-hmm. there were a lot of things that happened in the early part of your military career that like, I'm just not privy to, like, and it's probably- like, I probably should have asked him those questions, like, when we were, you know, I don't know. But it just, I don't know. Um, It just never came up. I mean, I knew, I know some things about boot camp. But like, there were definitely a lot of moments in this that I was like, pausing the audiobook or putting down the physical book and being like, babe, I need to ask you a question because I just really (laughs) didn't know. Um, But I, when we were talking about this, when he and I were talking about this, he said, "You know, even though you don't know it, April, you have to think about the fact that when this book was written in the fifties, the people who would have been reading it would have just mm. come out of World War II, right. and not just the people who were enlisted in World War II, but you have like the Rosie the Riveters and you know the women who were in the Red Cross, and so you have a, a large uh, population of people that would have known military culture better That's than I do." Point. As someone job, in twenty, I know he's so smart. Sometimes mad sometimes props to him, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but so so like that makes sense. Like when this was written, you wouldn't have necessarily needed to know these things directly because you experienced them. You would have been immersed in the culture of that.
2: So right. yeah. I I actually hadn't thought about that before. That's a that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. In last episode, we talked a little bit about whether Ready Player One is actually science fiction or not. I think all of us kind of landed mm-hmm. on not so much. And yeah. Starship Troopers is like definitely considered like classic science fiction, right? Right. However, it's a basic a lot of yeah. It's usually when I recommend lot. this book to people, um, I actually, and I don't, I don't think that I even. I might have mentioned this to you guys before you read it. I actually tell them it's not science fiction. It's actually political science. And he also includes this kind of interesting science fiction-y timeline, you know, storyline to keep things interesting. So um, giving it two stars, I don't know, maybe you're not going to change your stars. Would it, if you approached it as like compared to other dry political science narratives, Would that change your opinion? Okay.
0: No, because I've read Ayn Rand and I love Ayn Rand and that's all dystopian wrapped in politics and I love that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) True, true. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, that's that's something that I tell people is like, I'm like, it's not, it's not science fiction. It's political science. There's also a storyline.
0: For me, I don't believe that there are girl books and boy books. Like everyone can read whatever they want, and that and genres don't matter. But this is a boy book, Isaac. This is a boy book.
1: <laughs> I'm so, it was. <laughs> it's it's dry. <laughs> I, I, I
2: can but see it, that. that's fair,
0: but it's <laughs> not. But but the, I mean, I'm being honest. Like I flagged one, two, three, four, five, six <clears> different <throat> quotes that I was like. That's profound, and that doesn't happen I'm a lot. Curious, with me, so.
2: I'm curious what some of your other quotes were, actually.
0: Um, let's see.
1: Some of the boot camp stuff had me rolling. Seeing oh, yeah? like comparisons, because like, like when they're in when he's in the first round of boot camp, it's the the torture, taking away the bed rolls, that kind of thing. It you can see like comparisons to regular boot camp where you're like. You're laughing because something like this has happened to you. Like yeah, no, we no, had a no, company got that got all their towels <laughs> taken away one day because um because they kept leaving them in the showers and you don't do that in camp. Mm-hmm. So everybody right. was wet.
0: <laughs> all right, here are some other quotes. Um war is not violence and killing, pure and simple. War is controlled violence for a purpose. Um of all the so-called natural human rights that have ever been invented, liberty is least likely to be cheap and is never free of cost. Okay. Um, this one's a little bit lengthier, but uh, peace is a condition in which no civilian pays any attention to military casualties which do not achieve page one lead story prominence unless this, that civilian is a close relative of, the one, of one of the casualties. But if there ever was a time in history when, quote unquote, peace meant that there was no fighting going on, I have been unable to find out about it. Yeah. Um. Next one um this this was I just picked because it's kind of my husband and I um marriage is a young man's disaster and an old man's comfort we we got married in our very late 20s so we got a late start on everything um if you get killed or let someone else get killed quote-unquote by the book it's just as permanent as any other way those are the ones i like.
2: Well, those are those are some good ones, and like every time that I read it, I know what you mean. There are like so many other like individual one-liners that are mm-hmm. so profound in there, and I mm-hmm. uh, I think it's right in there with that same quote about liberty that you brought up. He has this like discussion about liberty in terms of like supply and mm-hmm. demand economics determining cost, and mm-hmm.
1: yeah,
2: and when it comes to liberty, um, what, what does he say? Like ultimate ultimate price, meaning willingness to lay down your life, perfect value. Right.
1: Right. I'm like, oh, wow. There's a real big conversation about social responsibility in this book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I actually had a – Matt was was listening off and on with me as I've been listening to it, as I've been listening to this book. And it was in one of the classes where they talk about philosophy and politics and all that. And they're talking about social responsibility. And everyone, like, the definition of social responsibility is different for each of us, right? I I didn't see military service as a social responsibility. I saw it as an option on the way out of my small town. Mm-hmm. Um, some people, there was a big group of kids our age that joined up after 9-11 because they felt it was their social obligation
0: you know obligation right. to right. help
1: protect the United States and
0: which would have been the same as the time period when this book was written right, and there then, would have been a bunch um, of people with
1: and then but then it goes back to like a civilian level. what do you view as a social responsibility as a civilian? is it reporting crimes is it stop helping your neighbor mow their lawn what is the definition of social responsibility to you. And that can mm-hmm. get very um, muddy depending on who you're talking to, right? Yeah. Because some people are very just, I worry about me and mine, that's it. Whatever happens in front of me, it, as long as it doesn't affect me and mine, I'm moving on. And then there's others that are very, like, civically minded that think social responsibility is everyone's responsibility.
0: Well, I, so. think, I think the book makes the argument that – at least in the future, we won't know what our civil responsibility is and we have to be taught it because they literally have to take a class in high school. Right, right, I don't know. That they have to learn why they need to be responsible. And that class keeps coming up throughout the book, right? And that's Mm -hmm. one of the Mm -hmm. times where the um, freedom isn't free. Um, He also talks about corporal punishment in there, which you mentioned, Isaac. Um, And uh, basically he's teaching them the thoughts that they need to have. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And for what's um, expected of them to have. Right. right. And I really struggled with that part, especially when he was talking about like spanking your kids and like why kids need to be spanked and things like that. Like we're not spankers. Like we're also, we, we fairly punish our kids. Like they get punished when they need to be. Our kids are really good. So we don't really have to worry about that a lot. Um, But like to me, I think some kids are over punished for things that they can't necessarily control. And like my oldest son is on the autism spectrum and he has a lot of meltdowns and there are parents that would like beat him for the yeah. way that he acts, they but he literally can't control it. Yeah. So for me, that part was really hard because, um, I don't agree with that, like I do not think that is the way to raise your children. I think punishing them needs to be based on who they are as humans because you're raising them to be human adults, you're not raising them to be puppies to dogs, which is the analogy right. that's in the book um, <laughs> right, right yeah
2: I also don't think that that's how you should raise a puppy, but that's a totally separate discussion um, yeah, I mean so
1: well, I mean, so he, this he, is he, interesting
2: that you bring that up because um. The last episode, we talked about kind of the definition of young adult literature and um, and whether, you know, how clear an author is about whether they're being prescriptive versus descriptive, or if if the author is teaching something as fact versus admitting that it's just their opinion. And I would say, in this book, like, clearly all of these things that the book teaches are Robert Heinlein's political opinion right of
1: course 100 i think it's important this is all his right
2: yeah and and yet he as much as i love the book like one of my criticisms would be that he approaches all of that as though it's like like totally factual and beyond any logical question right Mm -hmm. and it's like well no actually this is a controversial issue that people disagree about whether it's how you raise your kids how you raise your puppy, the capital of corporal punishment, like all of those things are very controversial issues that he approaches saying oh it's it's just logic and science, and we we know the right answer here's the right answer so i think I think you right. have to approach the book cautiously from that perspective, um, especially Understand. for especially for a younger yes. reader that could just take it at face value right well
0: i I don't think you're asking I know what you're saying, and this isn't really what you're saying what genre this would fall under but just so you know when this book was written YA didn't exist um so this would definitely be adult sci-fi um and I even think now Mm -hmm. like even though we have the new adult category which we talked about the last episode I don't even think I would put it in that even though he is arguably a new adult because he's you know graduating and yeah whatever to me this is just adult sci-fi and 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 it's so heavily into the political side of things that I don't think Um, younger readers would really fully understand it um i actually so much philosophy in there yeah yeah there's a Mm -hmm. lot um and and that didn't bother me like i said i like Ayn rand so i mean i really can't complain (laughs) about it being in there but um but for me it was uh all the military jargon that made it made it difficult for me um uh yeah and I disagree with Molly that bugs aren't scary. They're freaking scary. I don't I'm sorry, how big they but are. what? Okay, this is, really,
1: in the 1950s, you thought our biggest villain in the future is going to be bugs?
0: Well, we just defeated the Nazis, so they weren't. <laughs> Na- Nazis what, down? Next, the space spiders. Listen, I'm not <laughs> sure, I, I mean, that's not the only thing they battle, because at the beginning know, of the book, they're not talking about the spiders, it's ass. something else. I can't remember.
2: <laughs> so uh right he it was another another alien species that they ended up being allied right. with later so so let me pose it to you like this um so in the 1950s you're saying that our our biggest fear our biggest threat was not bugs not a colony hive of bugs not i really
1: don't think a communist modern,
2: society like, uh... Like, Ding
1: lightning. <laughs> I really don't think That's what it was, Molly. Okay it wasn't about the bugs. Freaking symbolism I didn't get. I told you guys I wasn't smart enough for this book.
2: <laughs> right, so the so the way that the just don't to get bring, bring the listeners along, the way that the way that the bugs function as as soldiers, as warriors, is in this, this hive, think like ants or something like that. Where right. even like they're their mental control is coming right is coming from the the hive mind that's underground right Right. so right Right. that's that's definitely what he's talking about there is is communism and that's so he's just bringing fear that's
0: cool fear mongering (laughs) he's not Molly. that fear was already there Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. No, I mean, I found it, like, I could definitely see the symbolism and the connection to, like, that post-World War II world in which communism was, like, you know, it was a fear. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a rising fear Mm -hmm. through the 50s and 60s and 70s. And I guess, the 80s too. And even still today. But anyway, um, (laughs) but (laughs) I thought it was interesting that his way of defeating it was a global government. Which I would Ran by better disagree. Rates. Disagree with. I do not agree that that is the right. way to like to better our world and society is for all of us to have this like. I, I know it's going to sound awful when I say this, but when we all have this harmonious world where we're all one world, my religious beliefs say that that's going to be the beginning of the end. So that was not something I was supporting. Well, and but um, I don't ever see this. I mean, like. I- Basically the only way to be a functioning um adult in the society was to have served in the military. Anyone I, could serve. It was everyone's right. You could do it at any time. But you weren't I a mean voting his dad member. signed up. Right. But you weren't a voting <laughs> member of society. But, but that's all that you it got
2: you. It. That's that's all that it got you was the right to vote. And that was like one oh, of those whole right. discussions did is uh, his dad me? I think even uh, calls it a frivolous
0: Missed that. I'm sorry. Isaac,
2: can you repeat that? You've you oh, out. No, you're, oh, sure. Yeah. So, so that's all that it was. Uh, we're, we're talking about being a functional adult in this society. But like all of the mm-hmm. successful businessmen, when it comes to like commerce, were – were not full citizens so they didn't have the right to vote but like even right. the discussion with his dad in the book he refers to the right to vote as like i think he said, calls it a frivolous privilege or something like that
0: right um, but you wouldn't you wouldn't you then, think that the way to fight communism would be through a democratic society in which everyone has the right to vote i mean that's the polar opposite right right
2: well and that's exactly and that's kind of his discussion and like this book has made made me think cuz like i i don't agree with all of his views in this book by any means but mm-hmm. sometimes reading things that challenge my views kind of make me see different perspectives where like like you said i would think like democracy where everybody has the right to vote that that seems right. reasonable mm-hmm. but then his explanation mm-hmm. of why we should actually make it harder to vote and and his justification for that in the book is that um not that people who have served in the military are any more intelligent or um anything that like that in fact he explains that that's sorry. totally not true he's like that's that that's the, the method that we've used and it wasn't even that not that they've earned it he's like that's the one group of people we've identified who's actually demonstrated that they're willing to put the good of the whole ahead of their own good and that's the group yeah, that I we mean, want to vote which I mean, logically yeah. like, i can see the argument makes sense
0: Well, Well, there are some countries that do that, right? In order to like Switzerland Switzerland, for example, even though Switzerland is notorious for not being involved in conflict, every eighteen year old man in Switzerland has to serve in the military. It's a requirement. It's the same thing in uh, Korea as well. They are required Mm -hmm. to serve. Isn't Um, it? um, We don't have that requirement here. What? Israel? Well, Israel
2: he, I think requires. Israel's is the service same. Too. Yeah, mandatory service. Yeah. But um, he talks but about that in the doesn't... book too, how the how the mandatory service would defeat the purpose of of that selection process. Because then it's yeah. not voluntarily well, putting the good of the whole ahead of right. your own good.
0: I just don't want to live in a place where if I don't serve in the military, then I don't have the freedoms that I have, like, to vote because Like Mm -hmm. I had no desire to be in the military. I didn't enlist. I didn't have the desire to be married to someone in the military. I, Tom Watkins just weaseled his little way in there. But, um, um, like, so for me, like, that's not the world I want to live in. You know what I mean? Like I want to have the freedom to do those things. I feel like, okay, this kind of,
1: it's kind of kitty corner to one of my arguments I have a lot. Um. I feel like military service should be a requirement when you serve in higher government. If you don't, if you have the the ability to call declare a war, you should know what that means to those
0: people that you're about to send off. If while I agree further, with you, while I agree with you, I do not think it should be a requirement in order to be in that leadership. But I tend to vote for people that have that experience. I feel as well. like
1: you cannot know the depths of what that means without having that time. Mm-hmm. If you have not raised your right hand and sworn to give your life to this country, how are mm-hmm. you supposed to know what it feels like to be put in the danger like that?
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, but if you look at the political structure of our country, I'm not sure if Joe Biden, did Joe Biden serve in the military? No, but his children have. And he Okay. So has lost he didn't. Children. Yeah. Um, Trump, didn't. I mean, sort of. He didn't. I mean, Bush was Obama in the, net, the Coast Guard so Reserves, right? <laughs> Obama didn't. So the last one to do it, so Bush Jr. didn't. Um, so Bush last, Jr. was in the reserves. Right, right. I know. Um, and so was the last one, Clinton didn't.
2: Nope. Clinton didn't. So the last, the last one, one was to serve Bush in Sr. the military,
0: yeah. Bush, Sr. Bush Sr. Right. That's mm-hmm. six but what, presidents ago. I know. Right. I know.
1: But I'm.
2: Right. And this is I'm part of what I love about very, the book is it it brings up some of these like kind of controversial issues similar, and gives you a, a framework argument, for, for thinking saying, about one right. of the perspectives. Yeah. Now right, I will be, say one of the be, things that he also brings up. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say you might be he throws pushing me to land. a two and
0: a half. Okay. You might be pushing me <laughs> to a two and a half stars.
2: So, so I think one of the interesting things that he also brings up is why, and like, it's kind of funny when you bring up, this, this line of thought to somebody in the military, a lot of them are like, oh, yeah, yeah, we should be the ones with the right to vote. But then one of the other things that he brings up is an explanation of why anybody who's currently serving should not have the right to vote.
1: Right.
2: <laughs> it's And then they're like, oh, no, <laughs> like, we can't have that.
1: <laughs> it's just a shish, so um, okay, on to the next question <laughs> On to the next question okay
2: uh elephant in the room did did either of you watch the movie I um didn't.
1: I watched the first one, I was forced to watch the first one in middle school <laughs> when my was my cousin.
2: And it's it's pretty I terrible.
1: I, I remember it. It is terrible.
2: It has they, they shouldn't have even anything. given it the same name. Like it barely follows no. the storyline and like does not
0: it, it capture the, the essence
2: of the book at all. It, it
0: talks about the bugs. Right. Well I don't think <laughs> yeah. like, I don't think you can I don't think you can have a book like this and actually get the point of it across in a movie. True.
2: True. Maybe but they didn't even have the cool mechanized suits in the book. No. Or, I mean in the in the On movie. The, that, on yeah. the
0: bounce that's
2: what it was on the bounce <laughs> on um, the bounce yeah
1: I don't know maybe HBO can make it into a series that will be I really hope better
2: served <laughs> I don't need that I don't need that right because right, like I said this is, if you treat it as political science like you just can't make it into a movie and do it yeah. any justice right so um, right. hey I'm looking at my questions real quick here uh, we talked about some of the, the there's driving. a lot of
0: politics oh
2: there's
0: Sorry, there's a lot of politics in the Hunger Games, and they so, were able to um, translate that on the film. But I think it was different because it was YA, that's true, and there were a lot of explosions, and it was uh, um, fantastical in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So I think that that translates a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Something like this, the pol- i mean, there's a lot of politics in Star Wars, you know. But I feel but like this is—I more- still don't think oh, this one yeah. would work that way.
2: Right. Well, Anyways. a lot of that stuff, like if you look at the politics in Star Wars or the politics in Dune or the politics in Hunger Games, a lot of that's more like thematic and subtle as opposed to this, yeah. where it's like, right. okay, we're going to have this flashback to a lecture, yeah. like literally just a lecture yeah. where yeah. we explain right. this right. political opinion. Right. are um, sitting
1: in a classroom. So, right. You get it. <laughs> right.
2: So I, I kind of want to contrast this with Ready Player One a little bit. Um so we okay. we apparently have this kind of utopian society, right? I mean, never mind that we 're also being like destroyed by <clears throat> destroyed by bugs, Space but bugs. like life on earth seems pretty good and um and that seems to be equated with what Molly was talking about with this level of responsibility personal mm-hmm. they call it civic virtue, personal accountability, personal responsibility. One thing that we talked about in yeah, the last mm-hmm. episode was all these people living in this virtual world where there are like, where there's no personal responsibility, you know, other than right. losing your virtual mm-hmm. money and virtual possessions. You know, if you happen to get killed, like there's no personal accountability virginity. for the way that you treat people, right. The way that you, the things that you would say to people, your actions in that virtual world. Right. <laughs> um, and, and in that world, we had like this total dystopian society. So did did you guys pick up on, on that at all or, or see a connection between between oh, the two books there? What are, what are your thoughts on that?
0: This feels like a book to me that James Halliday would have liked. So that's the connection that I find. Like, I feel like this would have been a book that he would have been a Oh, fan yeah. Of. Oh, yeah.
1: And he would have tried to make a game well, about
2: and, it. And she sure. read it. Not... Right. He so is it so it actually in mentions in Red in Ready Player One. It doesn't know. mention Starship Troopers, but it does mention that he read every single Heinlein book.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. So, so that,
2: Right. So that would include Starship Troopers. So I found myself wondering if oh, there right was it. if somewhere in the Oasis was like a planet Clendathu with bugs I'm sure. On it. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Had to I'm be sure right? there is.
0: Had to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, for me this is definitely more um sci-fi than uh than ready player one is because for like sure. i said last mm-hmm. last episode like if it happens in space it's sci-fi for me um but it's it's political as well definitely it's very political so heavy
1: but
0: but i do think these books actually go well together um to do two episodes uh with you as our guest like i feel like they've went, they've gone really well together
1: Mm-hmm.
2: yeah i think i think so too so so one thing that i that i will mention um having read like a lot of different Heinlein books um mm-hmm. this one if this is all that people read sometimes it comes across as being like very like ultra like conservative american militaristic kind of kind of that whole um That's point of view a little bit
0: I got pro military. I didn't get the conservative. This is like this is not this is like no government. Like we want one super government, but also no government, which is not a political affiliation you get to at pick, all.
1: We're, we're, we're picking and choosing who gets a vote based off their military service.
2: Right. No, I I see what you're saying, um, and maybe not even no government. But this is like this is like hyper centralized government. And that's like, you know, yeah. part of the disagreement in US pol in very broad terms in US politics is like, you know, power with the federal government versus more power with the, the states, centralized versus mm. decentralized, all of that. This is definitely like like the extreme of, of that centralized government. Um oh, I was going to mention before too, along the same lines when we were talking about the uh the bugs, the hive being the kind of analogous to communism um mm-hmm. the other kind of the other thing that he brings up is before we went to war with the bu- we i was not actually there in the book before we as humans <laughs> we
1: <talk about laughs> went to war with the bug real life, people all the time, you're fine. <laughs>
2: um he presented i think it was like like kind of three world powers uh one basically being the united states and western europe right. um russia and China and like mm-hmm. all of the parts of the globe that they uh that they controlled. And it's it's interesting in like the time that the book is taking place, they're all united because of kind of because of a common enemy. Right. So as as like as people's universe expands and they realize oh it's not just us here on Earth that kind of I allowed them see, to
1: I, I can see that happening. If we are, as planet Earth, being attacked by some mysterious space fighters. I can see the world powers getting together to fight it off. I don't see us becoming one major, hmm, mm-hmm. co- you know, happy government. It, it's just there's too yeah. many
2: personalities. No, I, I don't either, nor would I even make, want that. Right.
1: <laughs> it's just too much that spread across so
0: much, right? I, I actually was surprised. Right. um about, uh, I, I'm making an assumption here that Johnny was Filipino. Um, yeah, I was getting end, Hispanic of some sort. No, he's Filipino, because at the end he mentions Tagalog, which is the right, native they language. Right, but then he was talking about his mom going back to Brazil. Well, I don't know, but he he speaks the native language. Wait.
2: Is that? Okay, now, now I'm second-guessing myself. Tagalog, I thought yeah. that that was... I thought that that was the person he was talking oh, okay.
0: to. Is that I what it that was? was maybe talking. I got confused. I
2: thought so. Yeah, and well, I might name, be confused too. I mean, he was gone, fr- so. right. Juan Rico, and he's from like okay. Brazil. Okay, I think maybe I
0: had that. Con- I had that wrong, but because it, uh, my thought was it was interesting that he would have made his main character be someone who was Asian because of the feelings at the time of people who were Asian in this country. Like there was a lot of Asian hate because of the Japanese. Um, So I thought that was interesting, but I guess I misread that um, and it wasn't him that, that it was, but it's still interesting. I could be wrong. I think that was
2: the person talking to him.
0: Yeah. You might be right. Um, but at the beginning of the book, his dad talks about somebody. Oh, that guy's probably a foreigner. We have a, a world government. How okay. is anybody a foreigner? Like, there's a okay. world government. Right.
1: Okay. I am on the film wiki. <laughs> so take that with a grain of salt. Um, it says his hometown is Buenos Aires. I'm Buenos saying, Aires. Which that
0: is Brazil. Brazil. So okay. that would make him Brazilian. Right. So it must, I must have been reading it wrong and it was the other person that he was talking to. But I still stand beside the point that if his dad was mad that somebody was a foreigner, it was like, no, that guy's a foreigner. And I'm like, we're all we we're, see that now, ha, ha, see but it's a world government. No. But Molly, it's a world government. So how how can anybody be a foreigner? Everybody's we see is that a, now. We
1: see national.
0: Right. We don't have a world government right now. If the whole world is one government, then no one is really a foreigner. Everybody's part of the same government. I know. It's
2: just. We're it's also we're also magic. not supposed to like his dad's perspective at that point in the book. No, like that's but that's like supposed to paint a all. picture of his dad, <laughs> right? Yeah.
0: His, I don't. Okay. I don't There's find his dad to be redeeming, it. even after he enlists and like that whole thing. Like I don't. find okay. him Okay, y'all are obviously smarter than me. because Oh, of this
2: and Buenos camp Aires is book. in Argentina. I think you were thinking of Rio. So I think it mentions Rio anyway.
1: Good, good, yes. good. good I'm, I, I just showing how stupid I am. Let's it's just run okay, into it's that. Okay, I thought it, I, so, I thought it was too. So no,
2: I'm sorry. glad um, that you brought that up. What is? Um. Oh, um go ahead, Molly.
1: I would. Okay. Y'all are obviously getting way more out of this book than I am. What is the (laughs) symbolism about the father? Because he he gets this whole redemption arc right. First he hates him, then they don't talk, and then all of a sudden he's going on a ship and going to be a roughneck too.
0: Yeah, but his dad only does that because his mom died, right?
1: But what's the point? What is the point that the author's trying to make? That's what I don't get. Grief makes you do stupid things,
2: honestly. Like I, I mean, it explains it, um, and I think. Maybe if there was more character development with the dad, it would have made more sense. But he explains his Uh perspective on like the reason he did it had a little bit to do with, with the mom dying. um, But was really because he was, he was jealous of Johnny for doing something that he never had the guts to do himself. So honestly, I think that part could have been entirely left out.
0: Don't they mention that his dad has, has a Harvard accent. Yeah. 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 So his mom is from Argentina, yes. Argentina, Mm -hmm. yeah, and his dad is from the the states of United I guess northeast somewhere. Maybe I don't think it actually Um, says,
2: but yeah.
0: But it mentions him having a Harvard accent and being very proud that he was like. A Harvard, Harvard man, men, yeah, a right. Harvard man. Um. Anyways, Molly, he's not British.
1: <laughs> That's how the Harvard men speak. That is not how, how the, the Harvard, Harvard men speak. <laughs> <laughs> um.
2: So oh, anyway, I was going to say, I, I'm glad that know. you brought up. I'm glad that you brought up the, uh, um, the the racial question, and and mm-hmm. the inclusion of all of these different races in the book. Uh, there's actually another book that Heinlein wrote called Friday. And the entire like you know you might say that the entire point of this book is making an argument for you know why you should have to serve in the military to vote or something like that. Uh-huh. The entire point of friday is is actually all about um like getting over biases against other people, whether it's um gender bias, racial bias, religious bias and mm-hmm. and including all people as. Equals as humans, and and that's like the entire point of a whole a whole Heinlein novel, just, I just find kind I of like interesting in contrast with. <laughs> I yeah, probably
0: will.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a little dry
0: for me. Um, like, um, okay,
2: two and three quarters stars on that one. <laughs>
0: I I, uh, I thought it was really funny. I, I'm sorry to segue here. I I thought it was really funny, but um, I, I knew he was a Navy guy. Heinlein was a Navy guy, um, but he mm-hmm. talks about how the military branches don't get along, and I just I just thought that was so real because like real. my limited time being a military dependent. It's so real that none of you guys get along. I mean, you guys do for the greater good. I married a marine. I know, but, but there's like you know the whole puddle pirate thing that the Coast yeah. Guard's puddle pirates and um, the chair force and things like that. Like that's what I that's what I think of, and I'm like he's he's dogging on the Navy in the book because he's and not he, in the Navy in the book. The main character's not in the Navy in the book, but Heinlein was a Navy guy himself, right. so I thought that was really interesting. Um, That that felt real to me. I liked...
1: I really was... When he's a roughneck in chapters 9 and 10, and he's waxing poetical about his lieutenant, Mm -hmm. you know, and how much he was... He was so glad he was there when the lieutenant died, and all Mm -hmm. this jazz. It was like, yeah, I've never been that poetic about, uh, like, a superior officer, but I get that gist. I get that point. There are people that you're willing to lay your life on the line for because they are excellent leaders. Mm-hmm. I, I Isaac and I had one that was above us that I still would go to the ends of the earth for. That man would give me his kidney if he had if But the I interesting it probably. thing
0: but the interesting thing about the way the book is written it's not the enlisted that will go to the ends of the earth for the officers. It's the it's officers, officers that will go to the ends of the earth when is... they're enlisted. They really do mm-hmm. care and take care of, of
1: the I, I mean, the way people talk about yeoman is how most people talk about officers. No offense, Isaac, <laughs> but like, y'all get bagged on pretty damn hard. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I'm glad that well, you brought had... that up, because like, April, you were talking about like how the the different branches like rag on each other all the time, right? And there's... yeah kind of an unwritten rule that most of your ragging needs to be done in the presence of someone who's actually in that service. Like, yes. I'm not going to talk a bunch of crap about the Air Force unless I'm talking to a guy I who's in the Air Force. And then it's kind yeah, of all a yeah, really good fun. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then, like, <laughs> yeah. within, within each branch, like, if you just have Army or you just have Navy or whatever, there's going right. to be that same rivalry between MOSs, between, between the occupational oh, yeah. specialties. Oh,
0: yeah. You know how oh, much yeah. crap I get for being a yeoman?
2: Exactly. Yeah our yeah. our our friend our friend
0: Philip said that he didn't know S's oh, oh S's existed. He thought they were mythical creatures. My husband was an O.S. But right. Philip was uh, what was Philip? He's a D.C. D.C. So he had never actually met an O.S. Mm. before. No, because they had completely <laughs> different jobs and different schedules. Like, different jobs,
2: different. right? Yeah,
0: right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. We have a well, very good. But then, but then, when it really comes. And when when he when he, they're all together, when all the my husband and all his friends are together, everyone's co Guard except for the one friend who's Air Force, and it it becomes a a nice friendly rivalry, <laughs>
2: <laughs> right? Because when it really comes down to it, like we're all on the same team, whether it's officer enlisted, whether it's yeoman versus right. DC versus OS or right. infantry versus artillery or army versus navy or or whatever, like we're all on the same team with the same mission. Because we all did the same
1: thing.
0: We all raised our
1: hands. We all
0: said our life Mm -hmm. was their life then. But can I ask you guys a question that's not really relevant to this book, but is relevant to this conversation we're having? Sure. Do you still feel like that as as Coast Guardsmen? Because um, the Coast Guard isn't DOD anymore. um, And there have been times, for instance, the the education... um, the your college being paid for uh, that was protected on dod but not coast guard so there was a time where they oh, weren't we're, even i mean coast so guard's still, always been the redheaded stepchild i that's what i'm wondering do you still feel like you guys oh, yeah. have the same mission even though like it's it's sort of like i mean I, honestly i feel like space force being invented kind of gives you guys a leg up now <laughs> um our oath um
1: my defense even though we are different departments the oath I took and the oath the Marine next to me that day took was the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. I just get to choose if I want to go over there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He doesn't get a choice. He gets orders. And unless it's in a wartime, I get to pick if, like, volunteer to go into a
0: war zone. Mm-hmm. That's the only variation, right? I, I don't know that mm-hmm. that's always true because... Mm-hmm. right. Tom has been on cutters that went into war zones. That right, that was but I mean, release. like yeah, it's me as
2: a young not voluntary as
0: Molly. Thing. S- yes.
2: So <laughs> right, so that's I'm glad you brought that up, Molly, because um, I think that's something that maybe from the civilian side, a lot of a lot of people have like not the greatest perspective on. Um, mm-hmm. So the the difference, the DOD versus DHS, and actually when I went into the Coast Guard was DOT. Department of Transportation in 9/11, when DHS didn't even exist yet, right? So, yeah. Um, so that's that's really, honestly, that's an administrative difference. And most people, most people who have served in the military, realize that you can't you can't make value. I'm not like accusing you of making a value judgment. Don't get me wrong, but you can't make a value judgment based on somebody's job that they happened to do in the military. Like somebody could be in a In a completely admin support role in the Army or the marines, or they could be in the Coast Guard, the stepchild of the military the the not real military, and they could be doing mm-hmm. high value boardings every day, hard. you know jumping onto right,
1: right yeah.
2: onto right. you know my running was vessels or hostile crews or whatever right and and everything. Yeah. Right, every single branch, right. and but like Molly said, every single one of us, regardless of that job, raised our hand and took the oath. So, so yeah, I think yep. most people who it's have served realize that thing. you can't, yeah, you can't make that that distinction. And most of the time, yeah. when that distinction is made, it's it's the good natured ribbing between the services or between specialties in service. And
1: there is some mm-hmm. douche nozzles that do like just tell us straight up. There are some knuckleheads and other branches who are really jerks about it and well, are
0: really nasty. Well, I and, ha- i mm-hmm. mean, coming from the wife's perspective, I have a friend whose husband's a retired Marine now, but she told me that I wasn't a real military wife because my husband was just in the Coast Guard. No. And I was like, um, no. my husband's been gone most of our marriage, and yours has been there the entire time. So right. I don't know what you're talking no. about. No,
1: I saw more action and my short time at a small boat station than my brother-in-law who was in the Marine Corps for eight years. My brother-in-law was stationed in San Diego as a box kicker for eight years.
0: I did more active things as a military yeah. member than him. Well, so tour- it really the, depends. Uh, my, <laughs> my, my point in bringing this up was that like as a civilian looking at this, a mm-hmm. lot of the times the coast guard is not as protected as the other branches. Nope. I mean, we and literally still- had a president who stood in and, and said, that the Coast Guard doesn't do anything. <laughs> and to me, that's just a complete misunderstanding of like what you all actually do did when you were in service and what the coast guard mm-hmm. continues to do um i didn't know what the coast guard did when i met tom the only thing i knew was seeing the guardian which is like not at all accurate um, zero <laughs>
1: zero out of ten accuracy
0: um, <laughs> uniforms were right sorry i'll
1: give it a 1.5 for uniforms. <laughs> oh, it
2: was better than that other coast guard movie that just came out a couple of years ago what was that
0: oh the finest anyway. hour
2: Oh, the finest was hours was
0: based on a true story, though. Like that one yeah, was based, on yeah, it's, it's but a it was bad. story, it was
2: bad. The movie was terrible.
0: Oh, I liked.
2: the movie. Yeah, and
0: I bad. read the book. So, <laughs> can we go back to the book? Oh,
2: the, the way that it portrayed <laughs> the Coast Guard was embarrassing to me personally. <laughs> but
0: oh. uh, <laughs> so, no, I mean, yeah, I you're, you're allowed to I, like I, it. That's fine. It's fine. <laughs> no, I just think that like there's just such like like from the civilian side of things. I just think that like. They there there is a protection that comes with DOD that the Coast Guard is not like when when the government is shutting down and the they go into the in Congress and they're gonna protect everyone DOD, they also have to include mm-hmm. the Coast Guard because it's yeah. separate. And they don't always remember to do right. that. And like nope. Molly and I right. have Sometimes friends that I'm sure yep. you did too, Isaac. Yeah, I'm sure you did too, Isaac. We had friends that were going to food banks because they weren't getting a paycheck. Right. Um right. and, and you I said I went through like, Right, I, I went you, through yeah. that, and you I was can say you guys took one the one one same them. oath, but like the government isn't treating you the
1: same. So, oh, well, we when... know, we know, we've been dealing with it for a long time. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> or you know, half the time when they play all of the service anthems right. to say thank you to the veterans, at least half the time they forget the Coast Guard. Yeah, but
0: yeah, or or you, you, know. you or you see like all of the military branches like symbols displayed and they don't have the coast guard and I'm like you know what my new where? favorite
1: one is at NFL games when they pull out the guard and they bring out the flags the coast guard used to be last now it's last
0: after space force it's last still. So we, at the middle school where, the middle school where I'm the librarian. Um, I have the, words for it, but we're on a clean podcast. <laughs> so the The military where, uh, the military, the middle school where I'm the librarian, the VFW, local VFW donated uh, flags of each branch. And we do have Coast Guard and Space Force in there. Actually, uh, because of where I'm located in, in coastal Virginia, we have students whose parents are in the Space the Force. Space? Mm-hmm.
2: Really?
0: Space, Space Force? Force? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. There's like 12 so of, one, them of them. One last thing
2: on that. We need,
1: really need to get back <laughs> the to the book. Last We're thing an on hour in. We're
2: an hour I'm sure Molly would agree with this, but none of us, well, I wouldn't say none of us. I'm sure there are those out there who did. Most of us did not join up for any sort of public recognition. So it's like when the Coast Guard gets I, ignored I or whatever, did it to escape it's my water off down. my back. Totally don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Tom's um, original enlistment date was supposed to be September 11th, 2001, but obviously the tragedy of 9-11 happened. Holy shit. The office was closed. He was actually, that was his enlistment date. He went to college for a year, but he did it kind of because his parents wanted him to go to college, but that's not ever what he wanted. Um, And so he dropped out of college and enlisted in the Coast Guard. So he actually has the medal for enlisting after 9-11, but like, if that wasn't why he signed up. So um <laughs> But yeah. That was his original enlistment date. So I was
1: supposed to go right before Katrina and my uh recruiter goes and like then Katrina hit and my recruiter goes, Let's wait till um the fall, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> He goes, it's, it's just for your best interest. <laughs> okay, Chief. What have you say, Chief? <laughs> I don't know why you're saying this. I've seen the news, but obviously, he was protecting me from cleaning up rubble for a good six months. He really? was literally protecting me from just throwing shit in dumpters.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, back um, to the book. Let me ask yeah, let me ask you what you thought about the book's portrayal of the military um in contrast to maybe like the stereotypical portrayal of the military as being like uh just mindless robots who follow orders i think the the book definitely explained some of the importance of understanding why you're doing what you're doing uh having that mm-hmm. trust in your leadership how that leadership is built um even it brings up some some different leadership principles and and then also right. Johnny's perspective on the military as he progresses from being a civilian to a boot recruit to a trained recruit to mm-hmm. a combat drop veteran officer. to a sergeant, so an, an NCO to OCS to actually being uh, being an officer back in the mobile infantry and how his perspective on on the military and military leadership changed. So what what popped out to you is maybe some of the I don't know, call it leadership lessons from the books or surprises in the way that it portrayed the military.
1: I was surprised on how relevant and accurate some of it was still today. He based that stuff off of his experience, but his experience is like when it came to boot camp and training and leadership and all these things he experienced and the amount of the feeling of, I hate this term, brotherhood, right? That sense of family you get when you're in service with people. All of that, that feeling, that that vibe is the same today as it was then, which I was surprised that transitioned. Even though some of the lingo's changed, even though like jobs and duties are not the same, that whole transition of boot camp to going from one station to another station and getting that sense of brotherhood and bonding that never changes and he nailed what it's like you know in my opinion
0: i i guess I, I feel like i don't have enough perspective on what it's like to serve to actually fully appreciate that of it okay. but um but for me um i i didn't find it realistic that so many people that enlisted solely for the ability to vote because there were people that that's the reason that they enlisted. They didn't do it for the, right. They tried the, to deter the to too. serve their country. They just wanted to be in long enough to get the, their franchise and then get out mm-hmm. to me, if that were the purpose that so many people were enlisting, I feel like it would be more chaos and like people wouldn't actually be doing the things they're supposed to be doing right. because you just do the bare minimum and get out. And um, like, mm-hmm. I didn't know anyone in the Coast Guard that did that, but I do know people in other branches that like they enlisted for long enough to have the four years so they could get their college paid for, and then they got out and that was That's it. What Matthew Bakes did. Um, well, I'm not saying that Matthew did the bare minimum. I don't. I don't know what oh, Matthew's time he did. Service He'll was, tell but... you. He'll tell you. He <laughs> skated. <laughs> he made. He picked up E five and he was shocked. <laughs> Well, I mean, again, this goes back to those branches are so much larger than the Coast Guard. I think mm-hmm. you can get away with it more yeah. in them. But um, but for me, I think that that was unrealistic. If so many people were joining just for the purpose of being able to have that franchise, I don't think there would have been that many good soldiers. I think you just right. would have been like, eh, oh, mm-hmm. I'm sh-
2: go I'm kill sure the bugs yourself. Well, I'm, done. Uh, I'm
0: done. I'm done. I don't need a, a to
2: couple of couple things on that. So uh, there's a discussion in the in the book where Johnny's actually saying like he's asking that exact same question. He's like he's like, why did I sign up? It was for you know to earn the right to vote, right? Or was it? And then and then he kind of realizes some of these other things um, that were the the actual reasons why he signed up and the actual reasons why he's serving. Um, he signed so, up because so he it was actually pretty talks girl about that. that went up. There was. Pretty <laughs> there, up there's that that He sees like one more time in his life. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. He didn't sign like, up because he wanted to be in the military.
2: Pro pro tip: Don't enlist in the army because there's a pretty girl who's going to be a Navy pilot. It's not going to work out. <laughs> Seriously, that's
1: not going to work out for you. <laughs> Seriously. Um, and
2: um, but but the other there is the other co- thing. Go ahead. Finish. So the other. Uh, the other thing is, remember, in boot camp, it talks about some of the numbers. So it's not like you just have a bunch of people who only joined up um, to to earn that right to vote. Because in his boot camp, which for the listeners, boot camp in this book is like, imagine like boot camp combined with like Special Forces Q course. Like it's it's taking you all the way from being like a raw recruit to Special Forces. So, um, so they have like over, it's like 93% attrition. So less than 1 out of 10 are even making it through training to even have the opportunity to go serve on active duty. Yeah. So mm-hmm. with with that kind of filter and that kind of attrition rate, you're not you're only going to have the people who are the most committed make it through. You're not going to have a bunch of people who are just doing it for the right to vote making it through the training. Yeah, right.
0: I guess that's true.
1: I mean, it's also a conversation about self exploration right and finding yourself because that's what a lot of people do they join the military because they don't know who they are or what they want out of life and I mean Johnny kind of did that he found his purpose he found his niche he found what he was supposed to be and I mean that wasn't his original intent when joining mm-hmm. but obviously it's a, it's a conversation to have I mean I found myself I was definitely lost when I joined and I kind of found, found
2: Most of us didn't have a clue what we were doing when we were 18.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, I literally did one class at college and I walked out of there and I go, I am never coming back to this building. So, I mean, it it is a real conversation about how, and I say this all the time on our pod, I tell kids that are about to graduate. If you don't know what you want to do, talk to a recruiter. There is something to mm-hmm. there is something about military service that helps you find out who you are. Maybe it's realizing oh, you sure. have zero mm-hmm. desire to do any of this, or maybe you find out this is the path you're supposed to be on. But either way, after you're done, mm-hmm. you have college paid for. Like you have options and I really I I I just I can't say it enough. I really there is something to be said for the option of wandering with a paycheck
0: when it comes to the military. It does come with dangers <laughs> though, of course. But if I could go back so, to whoop, when I was 18, if, if I could go back to when I was 18 and I was going, you know, trying to decide what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, librarianship probably wouldn't have been there still, but it still wouldn't be military for me. It's not something that's in me. And and that's a difference. Like people that are signing up to find themselves, there still has to be something in you that would make you be a part of that, even if it's the bare minimum of four years, and that's all you're doing to survive boot camp, to survive all of the trainings and everything. You have to want to be a part of that. And for me, that was never a desire that I had. So I don't think. I don't, it wouldn't have made a difference if I would have talked to a recruiter or not. I'd have been like, no, I'm not doing that. No. no
1: I no.
0: never, I couldn't do team sports. I
1: couldn't participate in group projects because other people irritated me. I literally went from being a solo act to just being like, yeah,
0: I'll be one of thousands. I'm cool yeah. with that. I, so, I, I mean. I, I just think that like, I, I agree with you that not everybody is meant for college, Molly. And I do think that. The military is definitely another option, although trade school is also an option. Like I don't yeah, think the oh, two I'm options are college that, or military. Yeah. Um, but for me, going back to 18, it still wouldn't have been something I picked. Even now, as knowing more about the military, even now that I know what the Coast Guard was, because I grew up in a small town in Ohio, the only Coast Guard we Land-locked. have in Ohio. Well, no, we're not. Lake Erie. Um, so we're we're not. And and the District 9 Command Center is in Ohio, but that's right, like the that's only true. that's the only uh, Coast Guard in Ohio. No, there's Toledo, but there's a yeah, lot in Toledo. Ohio. There's I just, I just Ohio. remember there's like four. So don't, don't go on that. But, but like hey, it, hey, wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't where awesome I was. Fine, moving on, <laughs> it wasn't where I was. Um, so it wouldn't have been something I would have picked. Still, and I the thing is, the thing is to to relate this to this book. If I had to serve in the military to have the right to vote, I don't know that I would have ever had the right to vote. Because it's not a part of who I am. I I served my country as being Tom's wife and doing without him a lot while Mm -hmm. he was gone. A lot. Um, And that was enough. And I am very happy to be not a military wife anymore.
2: So one of the things that, that really jumps out to me every time I read this book is is how Johnny's perspective changes. Um, like We were talking about him going, kind of going through those different stages. And mm-hmm. when we wrap this up, I want to talk to you guys about who you would recommend this book to or how you would go about recommending it to them. So keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But there are certain people that I recommend this book to. And um, I actually like to see how different people at like different stages, especially in a military career, what mm-hmm. they take from the book. So like for example somebody who's just going into basic training, who's who's just enlisted and they're fresh recruit, if they read the book, oftentimes they'll they'll get something like okay, my lessons from this book are take responsibility for my actions and don't quit and just know that as hard as things might be today, I'm going to he talks about getting over the hump in boot camp, right? Yeah. At some point my perspective is going to change and i'm not going to hate this anymore i'll get over it and i'll start to have those those feelings of camaraderie and pride in what i'm doing and and that'll make it worth it so that'll help me not quit earlier on and then and then by the time johnny's like in ocs and actually put in leadership positions um or or even, like, when he's kind of eavesdropping on the sergeant and the officer talking and, like, how, how that kind of right. shifts his perspective on how the whole chain of command works. And then he ends up in a right. leadership position himself, and, and there are Classic. some lessons about, like, the value of decentralized command and making sure that everybody under you also understands their part of the bigger picture and how even if they lose communication with you, they can still carry on the mission because because they yeah. understand what's going on. and and it's just a like a uh, so so fundamental to leadership and i personally i think it doesn't matter whether we're talking military leadership or business leadership or call yeah. it even like family leadership or interpersonal relationships or whatever i think that that you call it decentralized command in the military maybe there's a different term for it on the you know on the civilian side but the value of the people who are working for you actually understanding the reason for what they're doing and being Mm -hmm. able to be functional on their own and again in contrast with the bugs who are like the complete opposite of the decentralized command where they have that you know that central brain way underground and without that they literally can't do anything like they stop they don't even walk around anymore uh they just Mm -hmm. they just stand there um so like i was saying just all of those different kind of leadership lessons at different levels as he progresses through that career mm-hmm. um i just find totally fascinating yeah um, I, so
0: i also think i also think it's important that he did rise up through the ranks instead of like starting as an officer that's not mm-hmm. to say that it people that come in i'm um, um, that's not against you or anything. I said, please don't take it that way. Um, uh, coming out of the academy and starting, so. um, I, I don't, I don't <laughs> mean it sure. like that. I think for this story, it was important that he grew through yeah, the military. Right. Totally. You know, the mm-hmm. only thing I feel like I
1: we watched his whole rise. Mm-hmm. It would have really been nice to finish the book with like seeing his retirement. It, it definitely did not return. have
0: the payoff that I wanted it to right. have.
1: I feel like I feel like I got. I mean, it was a long book, but I feel like I missed something. Like, this is how it ends? Yeah. There was no climax. There was no,
0: I actually thought he was going to die. Right! That's that's how it was going to (laughs) end. Right, the bugs got him at one point. I was like, shit. The bugs were, like, closing in, man. I thought he was going to die, and I was actually... Like, in some ways, I feel like that would have been a payoff.
2: Maybe that's why it ends so suddenly.
0: Well, no, he's in the hospital but but right. I mean, like like I feel like that would have maybe been maybe more the of a the payoff. with no legs at
2: the end, he's the officer in command, and they're getting ready to jump,
1: yeah right,
2: and right. I know. Ends. I was just so maybe maybe their right. got, I got hard shot hard <laughs> I know
0: right <laughs> I, if he died there were, at least would have been a payoff, but I think I'd have been pissed if I'd have gotten right. to the end of this like and we, died. We, we
1: followed his whole career for him to die. Rude. He tied I mean, when he's not even a full officer yet. He's still a junior officer, okay. or officer training. As a man that went through academy, Isaac, you need to answer this question. WTF is with all this math. Why the heck is, is this? Why was math so dang important? Why did we have to listen to him have to take math lessons and why... I don't understand the focus on the math books. I I really truly don't. It was um, driving
2: me ape. That's that's a good question. Um, so lot, <laughs> I, like,
0: I have a reason. Ooh,
2: you're putting, putting me on the spot. So so I mean, you're the
0: you're you're the one with the shiny collar, not me. <laughs> I have a reason. I okay. have a reason. But it's not because of I don't know, maybe they do a lot of math. Isaac would have to answer that, but I just think it's because of space travel and all the math that was required. But he's not a pilot. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The astronauts weren't necessarily even like piloting (laughs) the the spaceships. They were they still had to know math. It felt useless. Anyway, Isaac, so, is there an answer? Do you have to do a lot of math in OCS? I think, think there's several. Academy?
2: <laughs> oh yeah, OCS academies, all of that is is going to be fairly math heavy, and there are a couple reasons, a couple like very different reasons. Um, so in in the academy programs, most of the graduates from the academy are in, um, are like getting an engineering degree also. So. Like by its very nature, getting an, enge- an engineering degree is also math heavy. Um, also, do you lot- have
0: an engineering degree? Yes. That makes a lot of sense as to why you're like so, building all this <laughs> random crap. I
2: kid. So um, also, like a lot of a lot of the a lot of the officer specialties also end up being fairly math heavy. Um, maybe that's not even the best way to put it. So think like in the Coast Guard, like navigation. You'd think like, oh, we have a lot our you know, electronic yeah, navigation, I get it. It just, GPS, all of that. I but feel then, like, we just like you also, of... you're also required to learn celestial navigation, which is like extremely that's mathy. Not that's not um, math. <laughs> yes, it.
1: Is it? Just
2: it so, feels uh, like
1: we spent a lot of time about them explaining him having to study math, but not. Talking about why he has to study
0: the dang math. I don't think I <laughs> right. needed an explanation.
2: I think uh, I think it was I think he mostly threw that in there because because it needed he needed to have something to struggle with and you know all of the all the Good. officer we training all math. are going to be are going to be math heavy and it was just like one more thing and and that was part of that officer training program which ends up being part of a lot of officer training programs where you're essentially asked to do the impossible it's like Mm -hmm. okay add up the hours in the day add up how many hours you're expected to spend doing all of these things and it ends up being more than 24 hours so figure out a way to do it and that's kind of part of the part of the filter (laughs) um on that on that whole training program yeah exactly that's part of the point is just to make it harder um now, I, I also think this being written in the 1950s, this kind of shows one of the shifts in the military from like World War II, Korea, this is written right at the end of the 50s, to the modern day military, where now in the modern day military, you have junior enlisted personnel who may be, like they may have a master's degree. They might actually be more more educated than... Yeah, the first lieutenant or second lieutenant who's in charge of their platoon, right? Right. And, and that's, that's something that's extremely important for officers in the modern military to realize is that just because somebody is, is enlisted personnel that's working for you absolutely does not mean that they are not educated. As, Do you know how many contrast,
1: E3s and 4s I entered into the system at Sector that had bachelors and ups?
2: Mm-hmm. Right, like right, yeah, it, it, exactly. It's wild. Mm-hmm. Right, as opposed to like in World War II, like if you had a college degree, you're basically automatically put into an officer training program. Right. And right. and at that point, um, how, how would I put this? At that point, there was almost an expectation that the officers were like a different, like more educated class. Yeah, I, think it's, were, I think it's a really good larger, thing that yeah. a lot of that has gone away, um, because now like a, a good officer is going to rely so heavily on on the enlisted personnel working for them being absolute mm-hmm. professionals in their field and and really right, knowing right. what they're doing in their field even more than the officer knows about what's going on in that particular field and the officer is expected to be a little more of a generalist. Now, back when right. this was written in the '50s, it was still more of that. Uh, more traditional mindset that the officers were expected to be almost a different, more educated, more refined, more polite class. So um, the additional education in math and literature and history and and all of that would absolutely be part of the training program.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I guess. Yeah. Sure. Yay math. (laughs) 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 Right. Yay. I mean, I'm dyslexic, so numbers are not fun. So we're Well, looking and, at and the it's the,
2: it, It's the army too, so he needs to be able to count to at least 30 to like count his platoon, right? I mean, yeah. I,
1: I mean, and I mean, it's hard. Like think about it. Like what It, it doesn't say
2: 30? what level of math he's struggling with here.
1: Right. Right. I mean, Oh man! <laughs> um, the only other like thing i had was i feel like the phrase buying the farm was used more than anything <laughs> it was else a little
2: was overused
1: buying. like i want to count i need to know how many times this phrase was used in the book <laughs> i'm sure somebody, i need to know i'm sure you could find it on the
0: interwebs
2: well, and, oh, I and it. all of the variations of buying the farm buying the farm bought, the the farm. Farm, bought it looking at a farm land. real estate deal. Yeah. <laughs> got his piece of it, right? Yeah,
1: got 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 their 40 acres. I get it.
2: <laughs> I get right. It. Yeah. It's if a, a little overused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, could we did you guys have anything else or do you want me to wrap this up with one one kind of final question?
0: I think you can wrap it up. One more question. Hit us.
2: Okay. So, um, each of you so we kind of talked about this a little bit before. There are certain people that I recommend this book to, but I don't just mm-hmm. necessarily think that everybody is going to like it. Um, I thought right. it would be interesting to discuss on our podcast. Having read it now, um, are there certain people that you would or would not recommend the book for? And maybe call them out as individuals or just as general groups, whatever. And, and if so, if you were going to recommend this book to somebody, how would you like, how would you phrase your recommendation what cautions would you give them what would you tell them that they should look for what did you like or not Uh, like kind of
0: so i don't tend to buy books that i'm not going to read and especially books i don't think i will read more than once and i bought this book and the reason i bought this book was because i 100 planned to recommend it to my husband turns out he had already read it but this is the kind (laughs) of book that tom watkins loves um it's sci-fi it's military it's Political science. It's a very Tom book. And um, so it's what I would have recommended to him. And I probably would have just taken it to him and said, baby, you got to read this book. Um, It's this guy and he's in the military and like, it's just really good. And it's classic sci-fi. And he probably would have read it except not in 2021 because he went on a book reading ban. It was the dumbest thing ever for 2021. He decided. <laughs> well, I, I, he I have questions about that, but we'll get back to that. Um, but anyway, that, that
2: like, I wouldn't really you give up like to... reading for Lent. Is that allowed?
0: He did. It was Stupid. Um, <laughs> I was questioning who I married. Um, so I like I for me I wouldn't need to when I recommended it to him I wouldn't need to go into like the cautions of like the things I would worry about like that it would be too heavy on the military jargon because he would already know those things. Um, but outside of Tom, it's not one that I would recommend to like, it's not what I would recommend to my students, even my students that are sci-fi fans, just because the jargon is so heavy. And because I do feel like there's just so it's just deep. It's really right. saturated with um, the political, aspects of what he believes. And um, so for me, it's not one that I would recommend outside of Tom and he's already read it. So there you go. Um, For me, I'd end up recommending it to people that I know that that the the
1: people that come to mind, um, Matthew, uh, people I know that like military books and people that I know that like sci-fi, but they don't read. Right. So every person that's coming to mind, I know very well, I could recommend this book to them and give them my best sales pitch and I still know they wouldn't read it mm-hmm. even though I know exactly I can picture them in my head right now and I know very well this would be exactly up their lane and I know very well they would never read it because they don't read they don't do audiobooks like mm-hmm. it's just the audience this is honestly the audience this is intended for don't pick up books anymore <laughs> like
0: Ooh, that's a bold statement <laughs> it, it's
1: true it's true I mean, Isaac, you are one, you are a guy of our generation, you like sci-fi, you like the, the military aspect of it, and I'm sure you watch shows like that, but you actually read and do that kind of thing. There's not a lot that check the boxes you check that actually enjoy reading nowadays.
0: Um, I, I don't That's- think I agree with you totally on that, Molly, because I think that what they're reading is just not what we're reading. Like, I feel like Tom reads a lot of informational texts, yeah. even though he went on, like, the book ban where he didn't read a book. <laughs> he reads a lot of informational texts. And, like, to help us with our podcast, he had to do research on that kind right. of stuff. You know what I mean? So right. I just think the way that we consume information is just different today. And so but books isn't just- necessarily – the way right. that that's happening. I'm saying the list. I, pr- I probably I read like head.
2: five informational books to every one novel that I read. So,
1: But the list of male names. Yeah, go ahead. My intended audience in my dome, not a single one of them are readers. They will read online articles, they'll read magazines, they'll read, uh, but they're not reading informational books. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know these people, I know them well. I know that if I hand them this book, they're gonna be like, What do you want me to do with it? <laughs> <laughs> it, it it's just my opinion. My opinion there.
2: But. So um actually I want to ask you something else about that. So you you okay. basically listed ma- male mail as being one of the one of the check boxes for somebody that you might recommend the book to. Um April, you brought up earlier that this is a, a boy's book. It's a book. boy book.
1: It's a boy book. I don't book. disagree with It's a boy book.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't disagree with that. Um, in, in today's military, though, where almost every military occupation is open to males and females equally, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you think that that would change at all? Do you think that this book would be equally applicable to, um, to a military female? No. No. And here's
0: why for me. For me, there is...
1: It doesn't I, have a love story. They won't want it. <laughs> no, that's not why. No,
0: I'm joking. Um, For me, there is an underlying sexism that we didn't touch on in this book, but um, I yes. think it would really bother enlisted women. Um, they talk about... Women um, have certain jobs they're only doing the, in the military. The pilots are women because their voices are comforting, which is just and really sexist. And they're
1: smaller, and, and that's important tiny, for pilots. And, yeah.
0: yeah. And um, he com- consistently talks about how he wants to be like stationed outside of the barracks where the women are, and blah blah blah. Like, there's a lot of under and the reason the women are on that... the ship is because for entertainment yeah. And... yeah. I don't think I don't think enlisted women would like it. <laughs> I don't think so. Sex.
2: <laughs> that's no, that's really interesting to be like all of those things that you brought up. It's, and I'm, I'm not arguing at all, but it's it's interesting the the difference in the way that I read that exact same thing versus the way that you read it and the things that stood out to us. Like and that's because fascinating to hear somebody else's perspective. So like you said, like the the reason that the women are pilots, it mentions um their voice as their, you know, a calming voice as they're talking to the troops. And My voice has never been described as calling. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah. now I remember, yeah, it did say that, but I had actually forgotten about that part. And the part that I remembered was the discussion about, about the women having like superior reactions and being better at math and like all of the, all of the positive reasons why they made them pilots right? and not the men.
1: But it comes off condescending when a man talks about it in that context. Oh, no, you're, you're so, so good at totally math. Good for you. Yay! yay! Mm. You oh, and you are so, so hard! hard! <laughs> oh, yay! And... <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I don't want to. I mean, I've had this conversation before on our podcast, and it's a bigger conversation about being a woman in the military and what it's like being female in the service. Mm-hmm. Um, now, my experience has not been as extreme as some women's, right? But I have still had situations that are uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. definitely does not touch on that, especially in that era in the 50s it is Mm -hmm. would have been very uncomfortable to be a woman in the military because you are they were wearing skirts still women were still wearing skirts in active wars they
0: weren't they weren't really allowed to serve the way that they are now so i feel Mm -hmm. like when this book was being written it was very provocative to say that women are serving right along with men i got some provocative for it right right Um. there
2: um, no, and I think but, I think that's an important point. And like, to be fair to Heinlein, realizing that he was writing in the 50s, like the the ideas around women serving that he was promoting at that time were very progressive, even if now yeah. they seem antiquated.
0: Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> right. I, I right. It was very for his time. It was very progressive. Um it's just, that's why I said provocative. Like it was not something that was happening. Um, but the way that he wrote it was just like a little condescending. It's condescending. <laughs> I know I've been talked down to by officers. Yeah. Well, I've been talked down to by officers and I'm not. Yeah. But not because you have chest. <laughs> not
1: not, not uh, because you have boobs. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah. My ovaries make it hard for me to think. Did you know that? They do. <laughs> they really do.
0: <laughs> They're distracting. We've now gone way off the rails, Molly. <laughs> As always.
2: <laughs> well, I hope I never made you feel like that. But No, um. no,
1: no. If anything, I feel like I... I it, there are some group of... I am extra. I know this. And my extraness makes people uncomfortable. And I don't know if it's just because I'm super chatty or if it's just because they want to get away from me. And I always got that you either wanted to flee when we were in conversations because I was chatty or I'm extra. Either way, I didn't take it personal. I was used to it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's how Molly
2: works. In all honesty, in hindsight, it was probably just because I had like a million other things to do.
0: Always. You were super busy. He's he's sitting there going, Molly. I have stuff to do. Stop talking to me.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, anyway, oh. um, I don't I don't have anything else. Anybody else? We're getting long here. No, I'm that was long. that was
2: everything that I wanted to talk about. No, I I really appreciate you guys taking the the time to read my book recommendation and talk about it of too. Of course. And, uh, yeah. Get your perspective. Well, we on appreciate
0: it. you coming. Coming on the on? pod, and doing this with I us, I know, and, and that having was, us on yours—that was that's really, amazing. It is. We're really excited, and we'll have to do it again. Yeah, and you've yeah, been doing your yeah, pod much sure. longer than us. This is only our second <laughs> season, season two. But it's maybe amazing. we'll
1: do a, a, an Isaac thing. As much as that scares April, maybe we do an uh, Isaac
2: I,
0: thing. Isaac, I do not want to build I, a. Tide I pick a project
2: for you. <laughs> no, but you already okay, have to build pond. Like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or. Or you pick a
1: project for us, April does the research, and I actually attempt it. Okay, I'm I'm down for that.
0: April is a researcher. I can do that. I'll research it and make Tom do it. (laughs) This is an executive body. (laughs) April's an indoor cat. (laughs) <laughs> I, i'm not a cat i'm very much a dog i'm not a cat <laughs>
1: <laughs> no ariel's an indoor toy
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, uh, all right anyway um well i um want to say for our listeners next week we are covering this book um they both die at the end um and that would just be molly and me no isaac anymore sadly i couldn't tell in the video um,
2: what the book was what was the they, it's the called
0: book? They Both Die at they, the End. They Both oh. Die at the End.
2: Oh, I thought you were just giving us a spoiler alert. I no, actually no I, I actually
1: haven't read it yet, so <laughs> no. I can't give you a spoiler <laughs> alert. But I'm guessing that They <laughs> Both Die, at, die the end. at the End. There is a good possibility of it.
2: Like, shocking um, twist, they actually don't.
0: What twist? twist.
1: This Next book was recommended book to Besties. me by my
0: friend Megan. Um, shout out to Megan. And she told me this book will destroy me. So I'm looking forward to that. No, I don't um, want that right now. Sorry. That's where we are. That's where we live. Yeah. Sorry. Welcome Poor to 2022. Molly.
1: <laughs> Welcome to 2022. You don't get to pick a single book in the first month and um, you're going to cry. Hey. Thanks, that, April.
0: That was not my fault. That was not my fault. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Isaac, do you have anything you need to tell your listeners?
2: Um, nope. That's uh I'm I'm all set. We made it through some great discussion about two books and um right so we're going to release this on on both both podcasts. So Book Besties yeah, right. and Master of None. And yeah, maybe we'll yep. do a another crossover later where you guys get to do a project instead of me having to read a book. Sounds <laughs> terrible.
0: I'll do it, though. I I will do do. it, though. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Thank you for joining us on Book Besties with special guest Isaac Gordon of Master of None. Don't forget to like and subscribe. The views discussed here are those of Molly, April, and Isaac, not those of anyone else. Today's book was Starship Troopers by Robert A. Heinlein. Your book besties are Molly Biggs, April Watkins, and April Watkins. Editing by Thomas Watkins and music is Sleep Sweetly by Prigida. Don't forget to follow Book Besties on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. If you'd like to contact the Book Besties, please email us at bookbestiespod at gmail.com.